All right, we got a fun show flying for you today. Uh, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to talk about live streaming music. I'm so excited to get the show underway. Victor Cajayo is here. He's a professional musician, and he's got a lot of interesting things to share about how you can live stream music. Let's get the show started. Hey gang, welcome to StreamYard Connect. I'm Ross Brand. So excited to have you here with us as we get started. We're here every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern. We go live on the StreamYard Facebook page. We go live on my Periscope slash Twitter account. We also go live on the StreamYard Twitch channel. And typically we're also live on uh, LinkedIn Live on my LinkedIn account, but uh, having some trouble connecting to that with LinkedIn today. So if you were planning to watch us on one of the those channels, uh, I'm so glad you're with us. It's great to have you with us, and uh, we have a tremendous guest on today. We're going to talk about live streaming music today, something that we haven't discussed yet on this show. Uh, we've been doing it Wow, almost a year, and it's something that a lot of people have talked about, especially in this time where people are not able to perform music in person, they're not able to get together with uh, bandmates, and what is possible and what is not possible with live streaming, and that's what we're going to uh, get into, and also we're going to talk to Victor about his larger background in online content creation because he was also a popular podcaster uh, doing Mac podcasts back in the day. So we're going to get into that as well. So Victor Cahayo coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, but first, let's talk a little bit about what's going on with StreamYard. And there is a lot to talk about Several new features have rolled out recently. Again, if you are new to StreamYard, it's a live streaming tool that you use to produce your live stream and to stream it to social media, either from your web browser or from your mobile phone's web browser. Uh, just recently added the ability to host from a mobile phone from iOS or from an Android, not only a mobile phone, but Android or iOS tablets as well. So an iPad or, uh, you know, an Android tablet. And then you can also have up to 10 people on screen if you have the basic plan or the pro plan. So uh, previously it was six people on screen, which, which is great. Now it's up to 10 people. So there's several use cases that we can talk about. 
today and into the future for people wondering if that feature is something they may take advantage of. We certainly see people who have private Facebook groups. We see people who have classes, courses, uh, who do panels. There's a lot of different uses for uh, 10 people on screen, and uh, we're excited to have that feature for you. Uh, The three pillars of StreamYard, ease of use, stability, and professional-looking streams. You see the great co-founders right there, Gage Vandentop on the left and Dan Briggs on the right. And we have built-in integration with Facebook Live, LinkedIn Live, although today uh, LinkedIn doesn't seem to be accepting our broadcast. Uh, YouTube Live, Periscope, which gets you on Twitter, and you can also stream to your Twitch channel. And if that isn't enough, we also offer custom RTMP so you can uh, basically go to your destination, get a stream key and what looks like a URL and plug both of those into StreamYard. And with that, you can stream to any destination that accepts an RTMP connection, not just the five destinations that I mentioned where we have a built-in integration And if you multi-stream, if you're on the basic plan, you can go to two destinations. If you're on the pro plan, you can go to up to five destinations. And one of those destinations, or more than one of those destinations, can be custom RTMP. Uh, You can can also go to multiple destinations on one platform. For example, you go to a Facebook group. You could go to a Facebook page and a Facebook personal profile as three of your five destinations should you want to do that. Um, And also, uh, StreamYard's been in the news a lot. Uh, There was an article about a month ago in the New York Times that actually talked about live streaming music. And uh, the founder of StreamYard, the co-founder and CEO, Gage Vandentop, was quoted in that article. Well, there was recently an article in Forbes looking at how people can use uh, live streaming tools more effectively. And one of the recommendations within the article by Forbes talked about StreamYard And it it sounded a lot like the three pillars. Uh, They mentioned that StreamYard is very visually appealing and it easily allows you to switch views, bring on guests, incorporate your slides in a way that keeps you at the center of attention. Uh, That was from Shep Hyken in Forbes. So a lot of attention on StreamYard as of late as we're in this period now where so many people are using live video not only to host shows or host courses, but every day as a part of work, every day as a part of their communication with their family and friends and so many different use cases that weren't on the general public's radar maybe four or five months ago now. Uh, live streaming is really blowing up, and we'll get to some stats on that in in just a minute. We told you about the new features. We tested out 10 people on screen. We played you a little clip of it last week, and it continues to be a wonderful feature. I was so impressed when I first used StreamYard about a year and a half ago uh, how that when you brought on your guests, the quality never diminished, and that seemed to be true 
all the way now through 10 people on screen. The quality maintains itself. The audio, the video, all good. And of course, as we mentioned earlier as well, there's now mobile hosting. You can create and go live and really create a broadcast on your mobile phone that's consistent in terms of the look and the layout and the branding with what you do from a desktop or a laptop computer. few stories I want to get to, and then we'll bring on our guest, Victor Cahaya, to talk about music. Uh, live streaming is now becoming an option for high school sports. That's right. Uh, this is from the Los Altos Town Crier in California. Schools are installing cameras to live stream sporting events in the event that they're not able to have fans watch the games in person. And they're doing this both in outdoor stadiums and indoor gyms and even for swimming and all types of sports. Uh, basically across the board, some of these school districts uh, in the area in California where this story uh, was written are, are going to be able to provide other students, parents, fans, community members, the ability to watch live streams of sporting events from these cameras that they're installing if the rule is that nobody can watch the games in person so that you don't have crowds. So uh, just another way live streaming is uh, seeping into the mainstream. Now, I, I mentioned some statistics. Social Media Today had an article on how non-profits can effectively use live streaming. And they had some great statistics there, and I want to share just a, a few of them. Uh, it said 80% of consumers prefer watching live streams to reading blog posts from brands. Uh, it said 63% of people 18 to 34 now regularly watch live streams. More than one in five Facebook videos, more than one in five Facebook videos are live and people watch the live videos at least three times longer on average than they watch uploaded videos. And 87% of audiences say that they prefer to watch video online versus television if online video provides some behind-the-scenes content. So we, I often talk about how access, 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 access to people and places and uh, behind the scenes access is so important with live streaming and access to your thoughts, access to what is going on. It's different than TV, the way that we uh, relate to our audience through live streaming. And uh, these are, are certainly positive developments for the growth of live streaming. In the podcasting world, Sirius XM is in the process of purchasing Stitcher. Stitcher is one of the major podcasting apps where if you create a podcast, uh, you know, your primary places might be Apple Podcasts where you distribute. You distribute to Google Podcasts. You distribute to Spotify, iHeartRadio. Stitcher's usually somewhere in that list of the must distribute to uh, podcatchers, as they call them. Well... They are, uh, Stitcher's being sold to SiriusXM now for $300 million, according to this story in New York Magazine. Wow. So that would be the biggest podcast acquisition to date. And 
This follows, uh, they had recently purchased Simplecast, which is another podcast host, uh, which is a podcast host. Uh, Stitcher is more of a podcatcher than a host, but Simplecast has hosting and a lot of corporate clients as well as solo, you know, individual creators using it. So, uh, clearly Sirius XM, which already owns Pandora is making a major push to challenge Spotify and some of the other big players within the podcasting industry. So that is the news. This is StreamYard Connect. So glad to have you here with us. And I'm so excited for today's show. If you weren't here in the uh, short pre-show, let's play a quick clip and then I'll introduce our guest. Wow, I, I could listen to that all day. Uh, Victor Cajayo is a professional musician, a saxophone player. He's got a couple albums out, and his latest one is called Surrender. Uh, he's created both of those albums with his musical partner, Joe Christina. And if you stick around to the end, we're actually going to be giving away some copies. Uh, Victor's been a professional musician doing L.A. recording sessions. He creates jingles and cues for movies, documentaries, and clients. As we mentioned earlier, he's also been a popular Mac podcaster uh, from 2006 to 2011. He's a retired IT professional, and he's been playing through live streams, he's been doing a Sunday sax jam show on Facebook Live and YouTube Live. A tremendously talented musician. So excited to have him join us. Victor, welcome to StreamYard Connect. You're not able to hear me. Hey, Ross. Oh, here we, we are. We can't hear you. Okay, you can't hear me at all. Can the audience hear me? Ross. Uh, let's see if people who are watching can hear me. Ross, uh, no one's been able to hear you. Huh. Okay. No one's been able to hear you this whole time. Oh, it's been a good show, too. I don't know if the audience can hear me. Okay, the audience can hear me, but no one can hear you. You may have muted yourself when you played the uh, uh, video the first time. Okay, now you can hear me, right? There we go. Okay. Yeah, I was trying to tell you. All right. So what happened was, I'm going to full disclosure here. When I was going, getting ready to go live, I had come in through Wirecast Virtual Cam, which I had used to sync my audio and video. And sure. just as I was going live, I noticed that my the CPU was up to 85% on... And the fan, even with the turbo boost that you, uh, the turbo, forget what it's called. You had recommended an app that 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, still it was it was going wild, so I I quickly switched my video feed from uh, Wirecast Virtual Cam to uh, I switched it just to going straight in from my cam link, my my capture card, uh, straight okay. into StreamYard. What I didn't do is switch my audio from the Wirecast virtual microphone to my audio interface, which is the MixPre 3. So, okay, you might want to check with your audience to see if they can hear you now because I'm not sure yeah. that they still can. Okay, so let's check to see if people can hear. Uh, you can hear me. It's 15 minutes of your best stuff. Uh, can, can you hear me? Yeah, okay, so they say... Uh, can you hear me now? Please throw something in the chat if you can hear me now before we... Okay, we can hear both of you. Thank you, Brian Beagle. Thank you, TJ. Samir, thank you. Uh, Kevin Black and Chris Rossetti and Patricia Murray. Uh, you don't really need Wirecast when you have StreamYard. And as you can see, the audio and video seems to be working pretty well let's let, let's uh, let there be some light <laughs> and and here we go okay so uh that threw me off i got concerned about my computer not making it and uh i i quickly switched into uh, a, a different mode now uh i did i did record the audio on uh on my mix pre 3 so the opening segment which had some stuff I think you'll find interesting, including uh, a really warm introduction for Victor, which uh, I think everybody missed. <laughs> uh, so, Victor, let's uh, let's pretend that that uh, we're starting the show right now. So, welcome everybody to Streamyard Connect. Uh, my guest is Victor Cahayo. He's a professional musician. He's got a couple of albums out, uh, including "Surrender" is his latest album with his partner, uh, his musical partner, Joe Christina. And Victor's going to be giving away some copies of the album at the end of the show, so stick around. In addition, he's a popular podcaster from 2006 to 2011. Uh, Victor was hosting two different uh, Mac-related podcasts. Uh, typical Mac user podcast was a, a definitely a popular one. Uh, and so we want to talk to him a little bit about that as well, but the focus is going to be on live streaming music, and uh, Victor is a professional musician, saxophone player, and, and nobody heard the music, right? Uh, I played your clip twice. No, no, we heard that. Oh, you heard, heard the, music. the music. You just didn't Absolutely. hear me. Okay. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, we we do have the music. And um, before we get into how you're live streaming music and some tips you might have for people, tell us a, a little bit about your background in music. 42 years playing as a professional musician. How did you get started? How did you become interested in the saxophone and, and, and talk a little bit about your early days in, in music? No worries. And as long as we're doing full disclosures, I'm going to do one too. And that is that I mixed up the hour by one hour. I was thinking it was <laughs> 2 p.m. Central. It was one. So if you see the scraggly beard, that's why. And you know what? That's all okay because it's all part of uh, entertainment and just 
things happen and you have to go with the flow as a musician you find that out early well it's but awesome yeah, to have playing, you here victor it really is oh it's awesome to to be invited and to and to share maybe some stuff that is a little bit different uh than uh, some people that are streaming are doing so i started playing woodwinds back when i was in junior high school was in my first um garage band if you will by the age of 17 started playing gigs and i was in california that whole time originally born in cuba came when i was nine to the u.s and uh i just you know i played a lot of gigs in in california nightclubs um dive bars great venues with really great artists uh did an awful lot of recording out there in uh as a sideman you know mm -hmm. i would be called up to do a horn section thing again it was all c-list don't don't be, i'm not gonna be pretentious <laughs> and pretend that i was doing a-list stuff i wasn't uh, so so <laughs> i've had a, a very um deep career in music I am a big nerd, and so I really love the intersection of technology and the arts. It's kind of where my heart lives. And so uh, all along the way, I uh, practiced sound design and, and got into mixers and, and DAWs, you know, digital audio workstations. And so I've been recording myself and others' voice since I was probably 18 or 19 on uh, – four-track reel-to-reels where we uh -huh. had to do uh, literally um, editing was done with a knife and in a, in a, in a block. And so it's <laughs> been it's been a, a long time and it's been a really, really fun career as a musician um, along the way, as I think you said in your um, 1920s silent intro, <laughs> I, was also an, <laughs> I was also an IT guy. I, I worked right. for a major telco for 26 years. They gave me an early retirement package, and I went, yes, I'm going, <laughs> and so that I could do whatever the heck I wanted to do in whatever space I wanted to do it in. And I haven't looked back. We we moved from California to South Dakota. Uh, incredible change. And so, yeah, I've had a, um, a very interesting life from a lot of different perspectives, uh, but music is always at my foundation, I would say, Russ. So tell us now that you are retired and you can do whatever the heck you want. Tell us what the heck you're doing with music. Uh, you have the Sunday Sax Jam. Talk a little bit about your live streaming music and uh, what you're doing right now. Well, live streaming for me is really a brand new thing. Uh, like you mentioned, I had been mm -hmm. a podcaster for years. 2006 to 2010, had a really successful show where I taught people how to use Macs. I was a switcher and I taught people how to do that. So I had not live streamed. Well, I guess I had last year, but I had no idea what I was doing. I was using no tools. Um, probably had a couple of cocktails, turned on the camera and played a few tunes, you know. Mm -hmm. But a couple of months ago, I was introduced to Office Hours, which is the Alex Lindsay deal that he's mm -hmm. doing where a bunch of people who really do know what they're doing in media were there. And I said to myself, well, you know what? I want to learn how to do this correctly. And that means from the ground up when it comes to lighting, cameras, um, everything. The sound part, I, you know, I was pretty sure I could handle that. Right, right. But I, wa I really wanted to not come on camera again until I had something that was worthwhile seeing. And so because of that, I... I I, I played. I did some discipline because that's not easy for me to do. I right. went, oh, let me. I got the new toy. Let me go on and show it to everybody. But you know, I think I, I probably took some advice from some of those folks, people like you who are out there streaming and in, in, uh, 
mass. And I said, no, I want to do it right. I want to look good. So I went and I spent a bunch of money, bought the equipment uh, in order to hopefully be presenting a product when I step in and play the horn that is doesn't just sound good, but it also looks decent. And, and to me, uh, I'm very happy because I think I've achieved that thanks to a bunch of people who have helped me. Could have never done it on my own. Well, I've heard wonderful things uh, from our mutual friend Beauty Bubble about how great those office hour sessions, which I think are now over a hundred, are are every morning, seven days a week with Alex Lindsay. Before we get to the audio, which your audio is just off the charts, fantastic. Tell us a few things that you've learned about video that anyone getting started live streaming or even been doing it for a little while might want to think about to upgrade the the visual aspect of their live streams. Sure, no problem. And what I've learned, again, I, I am parroting what others that know so much more about this than I do. So right. I don't want to be pretentious and think. <laughs> so, but what I've learned is that even if you have um, your built-in camera or a Logitech C920, that I think lighting is probably the foundation. Mm. It is it is the building of the house starts with good lighting. And you can get away an awful lot uh, with uh, a decent camera if you have decent lighting. Now, that took me a while to learn. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, I had to move things around. I had to buy, uh, I finally bought an 18-inch ring light, which is what I'm using in front of me now. And then I have a backlight. But all of that took time. Uh, again, I guess the real foundation, and I'll start over, is audio. Right. Without good audio, as far as I'm concerned, you really you can have a great-looking stream, but if your audio sounds terrible, people <laughs> right. are going to bug out. Now, that's especially true for a musician. People don't want to hear music <laughs> online and have it sound not as good as their iPod. So, so that was the foundation. So lighting, and then you know, getting a decent camera. Now I went ahead and. Because I'm one of those guys that goes to 11 all the time. Right. <laughs> and I bought a, uh, <laughs> that's just me, a Blackmagic Pocket uh, 4K, Cinema 4K, which is the main camera that I'm using there. Uh, I got an ATEM switcher, and then I've got a second camera right here, which is a G7 Lumix. Uh, I'm also using NDI tools that I can use with my phone. Uh, for example, maybe later on, I'll give you a little tour of the studio and I can use that camera virtually right. as a way to do things. So uh, again, good sound, good lighting, uh, good camera. But the really um, important thing I think is what message do you have to share? What is the, the content? And for me, it's music and it's just being myself. It's a place that I can be myself as a retired guy. I have nothing to prove to anyone but my wife so i can just come out here and be victor and victor's okay and uh if if people love it great subscribe become a part of the gang you know have a cocktail and sit down and jam with me uh if it's not your cup of tea then great go find your cup of tea so, there you go. well that's fantastic and it's a great overview of of what's possible and and how to set up from basically from zero to a professional setup and i'm so jealous that you got that atem mini pro because i'm waiting on mine it's been months uh our guest dr tachi from a couple weeks back had one and we talked about it it's it's a great affordable hardware switcher uh which you can offload 
a lot of that power from your computer by plugging your cameras into that hardware and then it comes in as a webcam so I won't have to have some of the challenges that we had in the beginning. So let's move into music because um, audio sure. is what the show is. When the audio isn't there, you really don't get the value of the show. And of course, with music, it is that much more important Um how are you able to live stream music, uh, particularly when you're not the only instrument playing when you do your sax jam? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and the, the secret sauce there is, of course, I'm an alone guy, so I'm playing the music beds. Sometimes they're music beds that I have created based on MIDI files that I've gotten from the internet or that I've created myself. And then, of course, in Logic, I'll instrument that music to sound as much like the background music of the real record as possible by right. making sure that I pick the right virtual instruments and the right um, effects for reverb, delay, compression, all of that. Some of those things that you hear me play are things that I have bought on the internet. They're you know pre-baked MP3s that I'm playing over. And, and thank goodness for people who uh, are doing those kinds of businesses. But many of them I have created uh, myself. So basically what I end up with is, think of karaoke, uh, a, a very highly detailed background bed that I can now play to uh, using um, certain parts of my setup. Um, there is a application on the iPad called Backtrack, and, and that is spelled uh, B-A-C-K-T-R-A-X-X. And that is the player that I use to line up my sets and to put the uh, music in the order that I want it in. And I needed that because if anyone uses iTunes on Apple hardware, which is what I have, <laughs> iTunes, uh, it'll just like play the next song right after the other one, whether you like it or not. Right, and right. that wasn't going to cut it for me because... I want to talk to you guys. I want to get ideas from you. I want to say, you know, hi to NK and Rosalind and Joshua and Charlotte. I, I want to be able to do those things. And if I can't stop the music in between, then I can't do that. So Backtrack lets me stop the song at mm -hmm. any time or at the end of the song so that I can go on. Now, um, you, want, you want me to tell you a little bit about my chain then from audio, how I get from my analog equipment I'd love into to. the stream? I'd love okay, to hear great. it. Great. Uh, great. And maybe what I can do, if you don't mind, I'll change my camera to NDI real quick, if, you, if sure, that's okay. Sure. All right. Let's see if that this works. All right. Okay. We can see. Okay. Uh, I'm so going to put you on start. solo so people can see a little bit of close-up there. Go ahead. Great. I'm going to start here on the far right of this desk. And I have just a Mackie mixer. It's a very basic mixer and uh, several things go into there. One of them is my um, wireless microphone from my saxophone uh, that goes into this number one channel here on the mixer. The music goes into channel three. This particular mixer has built-in reverb effects. So when you hear me and have a little reverb, that's, that's what's doing that magic there. So I simply come out of that unit into my sound devices mix pre six. So I come into two of the channels there and that's what's getting the sound very pristine from that board into that. Now, it's very important that when I send this audio from this board to this, 
that I do what's called game staging, that I make sure the volumes are correct here so that they're not overloading this machine. Very, very important. And then here is that piece of software that I was telling you about where I can choose the tune that I'm going to play, and then I can simply hit play, and the song starts, and I start to jam. Of course, all of that is going into um, my MacBook Pro, and um, I am very cautious of meters. So this little thing right here is an audio meter that measures my output at what LUFS, loudness units full scale, I am transmitting to all of you. I'm shooting for around minus 18 LUFS when I'm going to Facebook. And so I'm very cautious about doing that. And then, of course, here's the ATEM Mini Pro and my multi-view that shows exactly what my cameras are seeing. So let me go back to my regular camera now. There we go. And, uh, and that's kind of, uh, you know, how the sausage is made from a hardware perspective. It's very important for me that before I do the jam, I record three songs at least mm -hmm. locally, and I watch and listen back because otherwise I have no way of knowing what you're listening to. And that's the bottom line. Is it good enough for me to put out there? And so after I'm sure I've done that, I tweak my volume levels or my gain staging. Then when I'm going to go live, I can be pretty sure that things are going to be okay. And yes, yeah, someone's asking if I use loopback. Great point. Uh, absolutely. Again, Ross, <clears throat> we can go over my um, audio hijack loopback chain whenever you'd like. I can share the screen and show that as well. Yeah. Brad Friedman says incredible setup and it really is uh, a phenomenal audio setup, not something that uh, you're going to see every day. Um, how are you able to make sure that the background track and your live playing stay in sync? Well, they're both plugged into the same board, right? They so both go into the mixing any... board and then into the mix pre. Right. Now, how am I going to make sure that it's very much in sync in video? I do that through Audio Hijack Pro. I insert a delay cube into that. Right. And again, when I'm doing my test video, I bring that into Final Cut Pro and I find out how many frames I'm off. So if I'm off five frames, then I can do basic division. Really, it's you know 30 frames a second. If right. I'm off five frames, I'm then it's going to be about 180 milliseconds that I need to compensate for. And so I go into Audio Hijack Pro. I do that compensation. And I think my videos for the horn have been pretty much in sync so far. Right, right. And so that's, you're, you're doing that, uh, you're making that adjustment in Audio Hijack or you make making it within the mix? That's correct. Okay. So, in Audio Hijack. So now, um, have you ever run your audio through the camera to sync that way? I haven't. And, uh, and I, I haven't maybe either. <laughs> I should. But the reason that I haven't is because the preamps on this mix pre unit are so fantastic that there's no way that the ATEM audio module is going to be as good. I'm sorry, it's just not. Right. So if I'm getting the desired effect, without running the audio through the ATEM, then why would I do that? So, right, so I'm not. Right, right. Makes sense. Um, I, there was a question from Rosalind I wanted to bring in uh, because I think a lot of people might be concerned about this. And 
How, how do you keep Facebook from stopping your music, copyright issues? I even have heard of people who wrote their own music and played it on Facebook and got a warning or got shut down. So how do you handle the copyright issues? What do people need to know if they're going to live stream music that was perhaps written, performed, produced by somebody else and then do their own cover or their own cover mixed with a background track? Okay, so I'm going to just be truthful here. Okay. When it comes to Facebook, I'm just using the cross fingers method. <laughs> and so far, you know, I mean, so far I have not been dinged or my streams haven't stopped. And again, I think I've done this a total of four times in two years. Now, again, uh, when it comes to YouTube, because mm -hmm. when I'm done with my Facebook stream, I immediately upload uh, the entire video to YouTube. And within nanoseconds of me uploading it, I will get uh, four or five or how many, many songs I'm playing. I will get the copyright infringements. Um, they're not strikes. They're just like, hey, you're not going to make any money on this video. And I'm mm -hmm. like, hey, I already knew that. So it doesn't <laughs> matter to me. <laughs> I mean, come on, you guys. I have like 90, no, I have 104 subscribers to YouTube. By the way, subscribe. I need more. So I have 104. I don't care if they make all the money. I just want to entertain people. And so I have not gotten any strikes yet or any warnings that say, you know, you're making the big sin. And mm -hmm. on Facebook, I have not gotten the stream stopped or the videos taken down. Maybe that's a matter of luck. Right. Um, I know my intent is good. And so if that happens, then I'm going to have to get creative and find another way. But for now, the um, my intent to entertain you is more than whatever little hassle that might bring me. Right, so right. It's not the greatest answer, but it's the answer I have. And on Facebook, yes, Ross, I have been deigned for my own music. You have. Okay, so you know what yes. that's like. Yes. <laughs> uh, on YouTube, people can find you just by searching your name, Victor Cayo. Yep. Am I pronouncing that correctly? It's Kahiao. Kahiao. So it's like Ka, like California, and okay. then He, like He-Man, and then Ow, like somebody just pinched you. So Kahiao. Kahiao. <laughs> Kahiao. Right. Okay, so yep. YouTube.com slash Victor Kahiao, and you'll find it. Yep. Facebook uh, slash Victor Kahiao. Twitter at Victor Kahiao. Uh, I just opened a, um, uh, what is it? Uh, what is it called? Stitch? Stitch? No, not, not Stitch. Instagram? What is the, the one that they, they do all the gaming on. Oh, twi uh, Twitch. Twitch. Okay. See, this is how much I know you guys. <laughs> you know, at this, I'm a new. You want to talk to me about audio music? We can do it at this new. So I just opened the Twitch account because all of my uh, nephews and people that were listening to me on Facebook were like, dude, you should open a Twitch account. And I'm like, dude, I'm 60 years old. And they're like, we don't care. We're going to dig you. So I said, okay. So I went to Twitch and I opened an account. Now, unfortunately, they didn't have my name. Somebody else has my name. Uh-oh. Hmm? Okay, that's okay. I, so on Twitch, I'll be able to be found at Victor Sachs Music. And uh, I hope well, to do my nice. first one very soon, very soon. I, I think there's a good chance that, you know, Twitch will, will you'll build a following there. I mean, people like to watch people 
do what they do on Twitch. And it's definitely a view into how a musician approaches live streaming and, and music in, in general. And I mean, I think people, what you showed us with your, your, uh, behind the scenes would be fascinated to see how that all comes together. Uh, certainly people in the StreamYard community are fascinated by setups because we're all to some degree putting our own setup together and learning about some of the different products and some of the different ways to route our audio and our video to get the best results. Um, talk about podcasting a little bit. Uh, sure. You you made a big impact with your Mac podcast from 2006 to 2011. What was the experience like podcasting? What did you like about it? And uh, why did you ultimately decide to to stop podcasting? Sure. Uh, well, like pretty much everything that I do, I am like a professional learner. Mm-hmm. So if I'm learning right. and then I'm doing and then I'm teaching, which, by the way, is the old way that they taught doctors how to do stuff. You learn how to do the surgery, and then you watch, and, and, do, mm-hmm. or, and then you do it, and then you teach it. And by the time you teach it, mm-hmm. you got it. Right. And so that's how it was in the Mac for me. When I started the Mac podcast, just like now, I'm just this dude. I don't, I'm not pretentious. I don't pretend to be somebody I'm not. So I was like, hey, I'm starting to use a Mac, and I'm just like you. And I want to teach you how to do something. So let's do it together. And thank goodness um, I was blessed with the ability to explain things and to be able to research things. And so that's what I started doing. And by doing that, we developed a community and we grew to about 10, 12,000 listeners per week. I did hundreds of episodes on everything Mac related that you could think of. I had the sponsors and all of that. And there was some goodness to that. There was right. also some things that weren't great. Uh, I got obsessed with numbers for a while, and it was terrible. Right, right. Never again. It's <laughs> like now I've got five people listening. Woohoo! Let's party, you five. You know, that's awesome. I just don't care. Now, do I want people to follow me, and do I want people to participate? Of course I do. Because of the community thing that happens. Because we get guys like Gordon and Patricia and John and Denise that are able to come into the community. That's what it's about. At the end of the day, if I make a dollar or not, eh, who cares? So that's what I did with that podcast. And because of that, it was successful in my eyes. And it was neat because I got to do things like speak at Macworld, which was just Mm -hmm. awesome. And I got to see Steve Jobs announce the iPhone, which was awesome. (laughs) You know, so... I got to meet so many people from around the world by in meetups and things that we would have in San Francisco. All that stuff was great. Unfortunately, in 2011, I had a bit of a health scare, you know, with my ticker. Uh, and it turned out, thank goodness, to be nothing. Mm-hmm. But it was enough of a health scare that the doctor said, whatever you're doing, stop, because it, you're stressing yourself out. Right. And I was. And it was the pressure of, you know, keeping that show up every week with those 12,000 and keeping the advertisers happy and and it was like, okay, I'm going to stop. Right. So I literally went dark from 2012 to about 14. And I wasn't on the interwebs at all. Mm. Did no social media. Did nothing. Uh, came back around 2015 when I retired. Right, right. So wh- what, have you, what did you learn from podcasting that you're able to apply to live streaming? And what maybe you have to unlearn or you you really have to do differently when you're 
live broadcasting versus creating a pre-recorded audio uh, piece of content? Sure. I think uh, the first thing is uh, that you got to check your motives. Mm -hmm. Again, you have to see why it is that you're doing it and then making sure that you're always being true to that. Second of all, consistency, consistency, consistency. If you tell your audience that you're going to do a sax jam every week or every two weeks, then darn it, you better show up and do your part because how can you expect your audience to do that if you're not willing to, you know, stick up for that? So all of that's pretty important. Yeah, definitely. Um, And so you still play, (laughs) judging from the photos that I had up on the screen just a a minute ago, you you still jam, you still play uh, gigs. Talk about uh, where you play, what you, what you like to do, and uh, I, I have no idea what the music seems like in South Dakota or if you play elsewhere, but tell us a little <laughs> bit about uh, playing gigs. Well, yes, I do absolutely still play. Uh, those pictures are from two weeks ago in uh, North Dakota, actually, Grand Forks, where I was playing with my um, brother-in-law's band. Mm. Ross, may I get a drink real quick? Is sure, absolutely. Okay. So we're we're uh, watching uh, StreamYard Connect. You're watching StreamYard Connect. I'm Ross Brand. We're talking with Victor Cajillo, who is uh, a professional musician and multi-talented. We went through a lot of different areas. And Victor was talking uh, a little bit about playing gigs, and he still does play gigs as a professional saxophone player. Uh, continue uh, what you're what you were telling us about uh, just two weeks ago yep. in North Dakota with yep, your I play. I'll play with rock bands. I'll play country mm-hmm. saxophone. I don't care as long as I get to play with folks. That's a lot of fun. Of course, a lot of that hasn't happened since COVID. Right. First gig I've done all year, and you still have to be safe. And all of those things are very important. And I play keyboards, not just sax. Yeah, yeah. And and when you um when you play. Uh, when you do, when you did your session recording, was there a certain type of music that you would get called in for, or did you, you know, whatever it was that was on the agenda that day, if you were available, you'd go in and learn it and and play. Mm-hmm. Well, I played uh, anything uh, mm-hmm. from um, kind of like the more minor commercials where they might need a horn section. Uh, my partner is a really great arranger. Mm-hmm. So he might need a saxophone, trombone, and trumpet. He writes the music. We go to the session, puts it on the stand. We go through it once, and then usually within a couple of takes, we're done. Right, right. And it- and those were, you know, those were jobs that would pay a couple hundred bucks an hour, and you usually be out of there in an hour and a half. Right. And um, again, that was union scale. Uh, for my level of playing, you know, scale players that play in major labels uh, make a lot more money. I did a couple of records with Stacy Q. Remember, two of hearts, two hearts that beat. Yeah, right, right, right. Saxophone for her. <laughs> wow. Yep. So, um, so, I just want to take a quick question here. When will Streamyard allow audio clips? Uh, Suplex Sparrow asked that question, and basically, what you can do is you can put audio into an MP4 with either a, a black screen, or you can put some type of uh, a still image or you can put b-roll but you can create basically a, an mp4 includes an mp3 so 
uh, basically just create your audio into an MP4 and you can upload that and play it as an overlay or you can play as a screen share by just sliding your audio file into a Chrome tab and then selecting Chrome tab in the, in the uh, screen share section. So, so that's uh, one of the ways that uh, you can share audio as well. Uh, thank you for that question um victor now well, when you're when you're live streaming music and you you mentioned that you have it set up so you can pause the music and then you can talk and you continue so you said you're using a wireless mic for the sax uh you're not yes. using the re20 the electro voice re20 which is a phenomenal broadcast mic you're using that when you speak but you're using a separate mic to mic your saxophone that's right. And what happens is when I go play, I have a foot switch that turns this RE20 off. Right. So that way I won't have double miking going on, it, which ah. would be too loud. So I turn this mic off and then I use a wireless microphone, uh, which is also plugged into that board in order for you guys to hear the sax. Yep. There's so much attention to detail, so many little things you have to think about uh, when playing music. Now, I'm going to ask you a question I know the answer to, but it's one that comes up a lot and you probably can answer better than I can. And that is, sure. how can I collaborate musically with somebody who I used to get together with, but now they're somewhere else and secluded and I'm, I'm social distancing. Can we live stream together? Can we jam through, through live video at all? Is that possible? It's a wonderful question, <laughs> and so far the answer is nope, not to my experience. Me and a couple of other musical types in the Office Hours group are investigating different software that claims they can do that, but the interwebs is the interwebs, and latency is latency, and not only does it apply to audio, but video as well, and so for you to be in sync and be able to play live, again, so far, I don't think we can do it because of lag. Now, what we can do is we can decide to play a song together and I can record my part locally. They can record their part, send me the video and audio. I can sync those up into those little squares like the Brady Bunch that you see all the time. <laughs> those people aren't playing live, FYI. Right. That's all been pre-recorded and put together by some wonderful uh, editors. So it's all separate tracks being put together so that you can line it up just how it needs to be because latency is the issue. Is there a, a prediction out there amongst you and some of the other folks with office hours about maybe when this might become possible? Well, this next week we're going to try this new service called Jamulus that we've heard is good because mm -hmm. it uses some servers in the middle to actually process the stuff. So I'll report out to you and the gang uh, as to what we find there uh, when it comes to that. Also, Ross, I think it's important um, that I make a point of saying that the equipment that you saw that I'm using for live streaming and so on is not the equipment that I use to write, compose, record music. That's over here, and I'm more than happy to show you that setup uh, because it is different, and that is done very much on purpose for you know, dedicating, um, I have an iMac Pro and I dedicate that machine to production music creation. That's where that part of the sauce gets well, me. Let's survey the audience. Who would like to see Victor's setup for recording music and writing music? 
And I'm I'm gonna say it's a unanimous yes. Uh, but if the answers come in differently, oh, well, I'd love to see it. So Victor, uh, if you don't mind, it would be beautiful to take a look at your setup for, uh, for recording and writing and performing music. Okay. Let me go back to that NDI camera source. Absolutely. And, uh, we will, we will do our best. Okay. And I'll try not to go too fast with the camera. Okay. And let me put you on solo. And and I'm going to just. Turn this mic up so I can back up and you can still hear me. Can you still hear me okay? I can. All right. So I can hear you great. A, uh, this is more of the music world here. So let me start off with uh, this here, which is the iMac Pro. Uh, for anyone who likes numbers, it is a machine that's got 10 cores. It has got 64 gigabytes of RAM, 2 terabytes of storage, I am a total hard drive freak, so I have uh, 12 terabytes here that are uh, on RAID, as well as um, a bunch of other drives. Um, When I say I'm a hard drive freak, I mean it. Those are all hard drives on my desktop. (laughs) Those are different hard drives that I use. Uh, Of course, the second monitor is very important for my plugins, etc., this is the MIDI keyboard that I use to play the music. It is a, a wonderful keyboard made, made by Native Instruments, and it's called the uh, Complete Control S61. Uh, it's a very nice feeling keyboard, and it has some nice features, and it plays all of the Native Instrument plugins very easily, which uh, is important. Um, so I'm going to see if I can bring up a quick... Um, session of logic i connect well anyways that's the equipment part of it right uh, this is a universal audio interface and that is my audio interface and the reason i use that i'm going to go back to the other camera the reason i use universal audio when it comes to um audio for music is because it lets me do things like you guys have heard of uh, plugins vsts delays and reverbs and compressors and limiters well, it has a DSP chip built into the unit itself. So I'm not using any computing power whatsoever to emulate famous compressors and famous limiters and, and um, what they call evolution reverbs, where I can, uh, if I want to sound like um, East West Recording Studio Room A, right. I can buy a piece of software that lets me sound like if I was in that room itself. Wow. And so it's... Um, it's a great way to uh, to to record that music and take up less uh, CPU and power. Even though I have a very powerful machine, you have to realize that if, for example, my CD, uh, those songs had an average of 130 individual tracks wow. in each song. So now, so. for live streaming, you choose to use the Mix Pre as your audio interface versus using. Uh, the United Audio, the uh, ah, Universal. Universal Audio, no right? So, no so w- why do you choose for live streaming the Mix Pre? Because simplicity is always in good taste when it comes to streaming. I want right. the least amount of single points of failure possible, and so I, uh, but by keeping it very simple, from the mixer to the Mix Pre to you, that's about as simple as I can get, and that's what I want. 
Right, right. Now, they use the you use the mixer because of some settings on it or like because you could also go straight into the mix pre with your microphones or I could. I could go straight in, but the mix pre the mixer has a built-in reverb for my sax that sounds right, really right. nice and sexy. And so I use it for that reason. I could also do that as a plug-in in uh, Audio Hijack, but again, I'm trying to keep things simple right. and this particular chain works for both live and for uh, live streaming almost identically. I, I love how every piece has its purpose, right? And every piece, you know why you have it and what it's there for. And uh, even though it's a sophisticated setup, there's no, there's no wasted uh, actions, right? Everything has its own, its own place and it's, its own purpose. Um, do you have a favorite piece of gear, a uh, favorite piece of hardware or software that you've come across over time that you go, if I had to break it down and build it up, this is one that's coming with me wherever I go. Okay, so we'll exclude my saxophones. Right, right, of course. those are the first ones. And uh, so other than my saxophones, um, yeah, I would say uh, uh, the most powerful Mac you can afford. And for me, Macintosh mm -hmm. is just, it's all about, ease of creation it's not because oh, i'm a mac fanboy if i found a pc that could do the same thing with the same um least amount of friction mm -hmm. i'd buy a pc in 10 minutes haven't found that in over 12 years now since i started using the mac so i really like that because to me look if i'm a carpenter and i'm going to go buy a screwdriver I want to buy the screwdriver that lets me do the job the most efficiently, efficient way that I can do it. Well, when it comes to computers, audio equipment, plugins, it's the same thing. You're right. Mm -hmm. There always needs to be a purpose. And uh, I always use the analogy in audio that it's like you're baking a cake. And so you want to make sure that your ingredients are the right one for the type of cake you want and that they are in proportion to the type of taste that you want your end user, mm -hmm. your cake eater, or your music consumer to have. So I always pick my plugins and I always pick everything, microphones, with a purpose of how is this going to impact the final product. Right. And uh, those are lessons that I've learned, some through experience and some through mentors, like when I mixed uh surrender in 2016 right That's right and we're gonna actually give away some copies in in just a moment i wanted to ask you you mentioned uh logic pro is what you mm -hmm. use when you're recording and and that's your your editor and mixer as well for the final production what did you use when you were doing the podcast and do you would you use would you use logic pro or something else if you were just uh, editing talk, let's say. You were editing a talk mm -hmm. podcast right now today. Yeah, if we're talking about spoken voice mm -hmm. and uh, two channels spoken voice, uh, when I was doing the podcast, I did all my editing and post-production uh, using Audition. Adobe mm -hmm. Audition at the time was my tool of choice. And then on just indispensable tool for spoken voice or music is a tool by a company called Isotope called rx7 there's right. also rx7 elements that is much cheaper this is a tool that lets you reduce noise reduce pops scratches rf noise from your phone 
Uh, you can get the Elements piece for like $129. And if you are a creator here uh, on StreamYard or anywhere else, it'll be some of the best money that you've ever spent, especially if you're going to do some stuff in post-production. Now, you can use the noise reduction part of RX in real time w using Audio Hijack Pro if you're on a Mac. Currently, I'm using Mixpre's new noise reduction software that is baked in, uh, which I'm finding absolutely incredible. So again, you guys are welcome to, you know, hit me up on Facebook or anywhere else if you want more um, in detail thing about any of the things I've spoken about. Uh, my knowledge is only uh, good if I can give it to you. Otherwise, yeah, who cares, right? So I'm more than happy to share it. There is no secrets in, in these vaults at all. Well, thank you so much, Victor. It, it's been wonderful having you on. Um, how do you want to do the giveaway? What would you? What, what would be the best way to, to go about doing this? Well, you know your audience best as far as them getting a hold of you, but mm -hmm. I think whoever's left here at the end of this thing, they should all get it for free. Okay. So that's how I'm going to do it. Whoever is left right now live uh, in the chat, uh, Ross is going to send you a link, which will allow you to download my uh, full CD that I did in 2016 called Resolved. The only payment I ask for is that come back to me and tell me how you liked it. That sounds great. That sounds great. Thank you so much, Victor. Thank you, everybody, uh, for joining us, for sticking through a couple of bumps in the road early. Uh, Victor, I really appreciate all the time you spent and, and all the knowledge you've shared and love your music. Look forward to the sax jams and of course, connect across social media. Let me just put up the, uh, the Twitter link, but you can use that, uh, to find Victor across social media. Thank you again for spending some time with us today on StreamYard Connect. My pleasure, Ross. Anytime you want to have me back on or if you'd like to have a special show focusing on something special, I am more than happy to assist uh, your audience. And I'm going to be trying out StreamYard, too, and, and uh, you know, putting it through a spaces. So, you know, look out for me there, too. Excellent. Thank you so much, Victor. That is uh, wonderful. I'm so glad to see that you're going to be trying out StreamYard. And, of course, we appreciate all the great knowledge that you shared uh before we say goodbye let's take a look back at last week's show uh it was great having brent basham on uh he is the founder of potted to talk about uh booking guests and how his app uh helps in that process speeds your time to market and i do uh i've been doing some repurposing i know gord eisman is in the chat and we did a show on repurposing so I'll play a couple of the clips that I put together for repurposing that show. You may have already seen them on social media, but let's take a look. There's a lot of challenges when it comes to booking guests. Tell us your story a little bit, how you came to decide that this was something that was going to be very helpful to podcasters and live streamers. I was out there all over the place, all over the internet, trying to find guests, connect with them, coordinate interviews. I loved, absolutely loved the value of what these guests brought to the table when we were able to get them on, but it was a huge effort. So 
fast forwarding, we did that show for two and a half years. That was back, started in like 2014, did that for a while, loved it, loved the show. Um, but part of it was, as you know, Ross, all of this stuff takes time. It takes effort. And part of that time and effort was the guest process. And so all of that put together led to us doing what they call pod fading, which means you take a break and then you never come back. Um, mm. You plan to, but you never show back up. This problem is still not solved. And that's where the idea of what pot it was, was created. And then I also put together a vertical video to share in stories. Brent, welcome to StreamYard Connect. Thanks, Ross, man. I don't think I've ever had that kind of an intro before. So I feel, um, wow, I just feel flattered. Thank you. Well, now the pressure's on then. I know, I know, right? You got to deliver, got to deliver. Now, I wanted to tell you congratulations, man. I saw that you got some big milestones today with YouTube. So huge congrats to you. Oh, thanks so much. It's great to have you on. Um, I think your your website that you founded is going to help a lot of people. There's a lot of challenges when it comes to booking guests. This problem is still not solved for podcasters, for guests. There's a lot of people out there trying to connect, trying to find each other, trying to get these interviews, and there's not a really great way to do it. And that's where the idea of what pot it was was created. All right, so that is last week's episode. Of course, you can find all the past episodes on the StreamYard Facebook page. We have a uh, playlist there, and you can catch up on all of them. I'm also going to upload today's episode uh, and the first 15 minutes or so didn't have audio when we were live, but I have the audio recorded locally on uh, my Mix Pre, one of the devices that we talked about quite a bit. So I can put that together with the video and uh, the part of the show that you may have missed will be available. And of course, the interview with Victor, we caught the whole thing. If you would like his CD, do mention it in the chat on whatever platform you're watching so we can follow up with you and put the link out there to you and get you uh, his CD. We thank Victor again for spending time with us, and we thank you for spending time with us here on StreamYard Connect. We will see you next week, 2 p.m. Eastern, Wednesday, for another episode of StreamYard Connect. Have a great day, everybody.